Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Have you noticed there's a difference between what we believe and how we live? There's often a gap between the things that we know, what we confess with our mouth, and how we live on a daily basis. The narrowing of that gap is what we call sanctification. And we, as your pastors, we as a church, want to help you to narrow that gap between what you believe and how you live. Sanctification happens through the Word of God. John 17 says, sanctify them by the truth, your Word is truth. And so what we believe is that there are lies that we are susceptible to as even believers in Jesus that get us to think that we can actually do life apart from God, that we would be better off without God. In those times where we think we can be free apart from him, we actually find ourselves more trapped, don't we, in the power of sin and in negative emotions that we experience each day. And so we're beginning a new series called The Four G's, and what we want to do is to help liberate you from the lies you are believing in your heart. All of us, no matter if you're a Christian or not, we have a tendency to not believe the truth about who God is and who we are. For instance, the lie we're going to look at today is that we think that we're in control. We actually think that we can manage every aspect of our lives on our own. We try to juggle everything in our lives to stay on top of it. Some of us feel the pressure to be perfect. Some of you moms, you've got little ones, and you want them to behave, you want to control them, and then as they get older, if you thought you had control, you find out you never had it to begin with, right? Control is like a mirage. We grasp for it, and it's an illusion. And let me tell you, even if we had it, we would not want it. We would not want to bear the burden of being in control of our own lives and the lives of others. And so we come, oftentimes, living like unbelievers. We might say, oh, I believe that God's in control. I believe that God is sovereign. But our life tells a different story. We're all anxious, fearful, people who want to have control. We want our world to be stable and secure. And so we're going to try to grasp for, for something to make sure that we're safe. And so the truth we're going to look at today is that God is great. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. What a relief, right? What a freeing, liberating truth. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. 
So we're going to take a look at Psalm 46 today and, and look at what does it mean that God is great? As we struggle for control and our need for security, we're going to find that God is our safety. He is our security. He's our strong refuge. So if you've got a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn in the middle of your Bible to the Psalms and find Psalm 46. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. The words will be up there on the screen in back of me. And throughout the course of this series, the, the next four weeks, I'm going to do something a little bit differently. More than likely, I'm going to land on a psalm each week. And so in preparation to uh, kind of hear from God, I would like for us to, to stand together. So let's go ahead and stand. And we're going to read the psalm together. I know that might seem a little weird and awkward, but let me remind you of something. The psalms were written to be a songbook for the nation of Israel, the people of God. And they were set to a tune, and they would sing it corporately together as one body. We don't know what the tune is. I'm not going to try to guess all right, today. Uh, so we're just going to say it together in unison. And let this be a reminder, you're not coming just as an individual today to hear from God. We're coming together as a community of faith. And so let's read Psalm 46. Let's read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You may be seated. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Psalm 46 has been known as Luther's Psalm. Some of you know uh, Martin Luther, who wrote uh, the, the famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He penned that hymn after reflecting on Psalm 46. It's Luther's psalm, but it's our psalm as well. We're going to see how this psalm helps to uh, show us the greatness of God. We're going to see God and his greatness and who he is for us and how that frees us from the illusion of control. So the first point I want to make is this. God is our safe place. God is our safe place when our lives seem to be falling apart. God is our safe place when our lives seem to be falling apart. Look at verse 1 again with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice how the psalm begins. God doesn't begin with us, begins with God. God is. A lot of times when we're dealing with fear and worry and 
clasping for control in our lives, we can panic and the what ifs start to flood our minds. And in those moments, we need to see that God is. It's not what if, it's God is. And who is he? God is our refuge and strength. He's our safe place. He's our security. He's our stronghold, our mighty fortress, as Martin Luther said. And notice in verse 1, he is a very present help in times of trouble. God is more near to us than our closest friend or closest family member. He is available at all times. He is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. The word trouble in the original language means to be pressed in to a tight place. We feel like we're being surrounded, right, by all kinds of things swirling around us in our lives, and our lives feel like they're falling apart, and God says, I'm there as your helper. I will help you. I'm strong. I'm a refuge. I'm safe. Come, dwell with me. Oftentimes, we think that in times of trouble, where has God gone? And yet, according to this verse, he is a very present help. He's there for you at home. He's there when you're in the hospital room. He is there when you feel like all hope is gone. He is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And notice our response. If if that is true, and that is an amazing truth, that God is our safe place, what is our response to that? Look at verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength. He's our safe place. He's our security. He's always available at all times. Therefore, do not fear. Now, fear manifests itself in a number of ways. One is control. Some of you are... um, coming out of a a past where your story has been affected in such large measure that you have a hard time feeling secure. And I'm aware of that. I'm aware of how a lot of times our our journey can be marked by um, a lot of pain in our past. Or some of you here in this room, you grew up with maybe a dad that was absent. Maybe Maybe your parents were divorced. And you so long for there to be stability and safety and and security. Some of you, I know, have have dealt with even abuse and neglect. And so when you you walk through times where it feels a a little uneasy, you're longing for security. You're longing for a safe place. And so what you're gonna do is to try to be in control because you so badly want security in your world, don't you? And God says, let me be your safe place. 
You can't handle this on your own. You are not strong enough. I am strong. I am your safe place. I am your refuge. You find your security in me, God says. Notice how he describes what's going on sometimes in our soul, in and around our circumstances. Look at verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So in beautiful metaphorical language here, the psalmist is helping us to see what it looks like when our lives are falling apart. It might not be a literal mountain in your life, but it feels like your life is crumbling and crashing down, just like a mountain being moved in the heart of the sea. These are cataclysmic events that the psalmist is recording here, and he's saying, that's what your soul is often like, isn't it? Mountains. You ever been close to a mountain? I mean, just the majesty of a mountain, right? I mean, that is the most stable thing you can think of. And he's saying the mountains are being moved into the sea. Sometimes the most stable, secure things, if they start falling apart, we start falling apart. Because our refuge is in the wrong place. God says, I am your refuge. I'm your safe place when your life seems to be falling apart. And yet, we are so foolish to keep looking inward in times where life seems to be crashing down. We can actually think that the strength comes from within. Like, be more positive. Get a hold of yourself. Get on top of it. You can do this. Give ourselves like a pep talk. Really? This past week, uh, we did this book discussion on uh, our summer one read called Enjoying God, and uh, someone brought up uh, how there, w- there was a storm la- last Monday, and-, and I wonder if you saw just this huge, like, dark wall cloud. Did you see that? Um, so I borrowed that from somebody's page, but it was incredible to look at the the storm that was kind of coming, and uh, Alicia Slater spoke up, and she said that um, on that night... She gave me permission to share this story, by the way. On that night, um, her and uh, John and their little granddaughter, um, they were just home, and uh, Alicia was talking with her granddaughter a little bit about fireworks, and John comes in, he's like, hey, let me show you the best fireworks you've ever seen, God's fireworks. And so they went outside, and it was still like a little bit of you know, rain trickling down, and um, it was just fun for, for John to see Alicia kind of playing with her granddaughter out there, and, and you'd see flashes of lightning, you know, and, and they're just trying to capture that moment. And so John got out his phone, he was in the garage, and he started, you know, snapping pictures of them out there, thought this would be a really cool memory, trying to, you know, get the background and get the granddaughter and everything else. Well, they came in um, after spending some time out there, and they looked through the pictures, only to find that John had been snapping selfies the entire time. Can you imagine? Oh, as they say in the South, bless his heart, right? Bless his heart. He, uh, he was trying, right? He was trying to do it. But I thought that's a picture of us. Man, we sometimes, in the midst of storms and all around us, we're going to actually look at ourselves. We're going to snap selfies of ourselves and think, look at me. I'm great in the midst of the storm. I can do this. 
What? Our eyes need to be outward on God who says, I am your refuge and strength. I'm an ever-present help. I'm always near because of my son Jesus and his death for you on the cross. He's made a way for you to draw near through the blood of Christ to come to him directly. And he's always, always, always our safe place. And so that's the first truth we see in how God is great. He is our safe place. Secondly, we see that God is our peaceful river. He's our peaceful river when our soul feels most unstable. Look at verses four and five. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And so note the contrast between verse 3 and verse 4. We see mountains that are crumbling and trembling, waters that are roaring, and now we see a calm, gentle river, a stream. God says, I am that river. I'm here to supply everything you need. You see, back then, a, uh, a water source was so important. Cities were built around water sources. And so not only would it give a, a life supply, you know, the, the, the supply that we need to live, it also would bring refreshment through the stream and, and encouragement. And so God is saying that I am your river. I will give you what you need. When your soul feels most unstable, I will be your peaceful river. Love the poetic language here. And it reminds us again that God's greatness isn't just shown in his power. It's shown through his peace. His his greatness isn't just that he's almighty God. He is. We're going to see that as we develop here in this psalm. But he's also a God who comes very low to us and near to us to grant us peace. His greatness is shown in his peace. So it's not just the unstable circumstances outside of us. Sometimes we have this swirling storm inside of us. We feel like we're spinning out of control. And God says, I want to be your peaceful river when your soul feels most unstable. Jesus uh, spoke of this in John's gospel. In John chapter 7, verse 38 He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus is speaking here about the Holy Spirit. When you trust in Christ alone for your salvation, I'm not talking about you doing more stuff for God. I'm saying you rely fully on Christ and his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Instantly, as you trust in him alone, his spirit comes to dwell within you. And Jesus said, it's like a river of living water that flows within and overflows to others. In fact, in Galatians, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace, this peaceful river. Made me think of the song I sang as a kid. I've got peace like a river. You guys remember that one? I'm not going to keep singing that. That was horrible. I've got peace like a river, right? And it goes on. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. Where? Say it louder than that. 
in my soul, right? In my soul, that's where the peace of God dwells. So that's actually a biblical, somewhat still cheesy song, right? Um, But it makes sense. The truth of God's word here says that he comes to bring us peace like a river in our soul, in the depths of who we are. Notice in verse five, God is in the midst of her. He's talking about this city of God, that God is right there. Again, picking up the same thought in verse one, he's very near to us. His presence is with us. Not only that, he brings his security. He says, she shall not be moved. So you are secure in in God's love and his peace. And then he says, God will help her when morning dawns. Now, I think this is an allusion to what oftentimes happened for the people of Israel. They were sometimes in battle to where enemies would, would come upon them and have a surprise attack when, when morning dawned. To catch them off guard, we're going to attack you early on in the morning. And God says, I will be there for you as your helper. I will protect you. And The same is true for us. A lot of times in our lives, we wake up in the morning and a flood of lies starts filling our minds. And what do we do in that moment? I love what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, it comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Have you had that experience before? And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings and coming in out of the wind. And so we we need to... Remember that God is our peaceful river when our soul feels most unstable. But it's not just our soul that's unstable. It's also our world around us. Look at what he says in verse 6. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. So he makes this shift now from our soul to the world, the nations around us, and he says that these nations are raging and these kingdoms are tottering. Now, back in verse three, this is the same words he used to describe the mountains trembling and the waters roaring, same words here. And so he's saying whether it's a, a natural event or this is happening in your soul or if it's actually the, the nations and the political unrest around us, I am here as your safe place and your peaceful river. We need this word today um, as we consider the Political unrest happening in our country, shootings again, just so sad. We call out for Jesus to return, to make things right. We look around our world today and just the, the nations of this world, the precarious place they're in, the kingdoms are tottering, the nations are raging, the outrage we experience in our own country, the division. And guys, we, we, we can't find our peace. Our peace is not predicated upon what CNN says or what Fox News says. That's a false peace. Our peace is found 
in the one who utters his voice, says in verse six, and the earth melts. So listen, God doesn't have to bring any army along with him. He brings his voice and that's enough. You think of Jesus in the boat in the storm, be still and instantly the wind and the waves listen to the voice of their creator. God is not wringing his hands up in heaven just wondering, I wonder how you know, the United States is gonna get along here. I, I'm not sure what's gonna happen in this world here. He is king over the universe with one word, right? He can change the heart of a king with one word. He can silence the enemy. He is not frustrated. He's God. He's God. So, God is our safe place. God is our peaceful river. We know that he will have the last word in the end when it comes to the nations and when it comes to the world around us. Third, God is our divine warrior. He is our divine warrior when our enemies look like they're stronger. Notice what it says in verse eight. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God is our divine warrior when it seems like our enemies are stronger. He says, come, behold. That's the first verb first action for us to take in this psalm. And I find that fascinating because what is he telling us to do? Come behold, watch and see what God has done for you. So that's your action, right? Watch and see, behold what God does for us. And I love the repetition of the word he. This is what the Lord does. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear and he burns the chariots with fire. He is fighting for us. And I love what one commentator said. He doesn't fight fairly. He doesn't. Notice what he does. He takes the weapons right out of the enemy's hands, rendering them powerless. And that's a picture of what he's done for us in Jesus. Satan may have thought, I'm gonna pin the Son of God to the cross. Yet the very weapon that Satan used against Jesus, Jesus used against him. His death rendered Satan powerless. Shamed Satan by being openly shamed for us on that cross. And he rose again victoriously from the grave. And so our God fights for us and always wins. He always wins. He's our divine warrior. I love the repetition in verse 7 and 11. Did you notice these verses uh, repeat themselves? It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts. We're going to sing this song to close our service. A mighty fortress is our God. Martin Luther called this Lord Sabaoth in the original language, Lord of hosts, which literally means the Lord of angelic armies. He's got angelic armies that are protecting you. A whole host, thousands. 
And he's with us. He's on our side. Are you on his side? Jesus came to defeat our greatest enemies, and one day he'll come again on a white horse, on the clouds, and every knee will bow to him as Lord. Have you given your life to King Jesus yet? And so as we step back from this, we see that God, he is our safe place. He is our peaceful river and our divine warrior. He gives us his presence, his peace, and his protection. I wonder if the Apostle Paul had this psalm in mind when he was in a prison cell and penned these words in Philippians chapter 4. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Probably the most popular passage of scripture that's clicked on Google today. But look at what is happening here. Paul is reflecting upon God as one who is his safe place, who is near, a very present help in trouble. God is this peaceful river when your soul feels most unstable, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and will guard your hearts like like a garrison of, of soldiers around your heart protecting you, his presence, his peace, and his protection because he is your refuge and strength. And so God is great, God is great, so we don't have to be in control, to be in control. What's our response to that today? We've already seen in verse two, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. But notice how he ends in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Now, in the context, this word means something different than what we might think. A lot of times we associate this whole idea of stillness with we need to get alone with God and be quiet before him and have solitude. And and that's, that's definitely a worthy thing to do. But this text teaches us something differently. The word in the original language, Rapha in Hebrew, literally means to lay it down, to surrender. Cease striving. Stop your fighting. You see, some of you, the context, they're they're in battle here, and some of us, we feel like we've got to fight God's battles for him. Or worse yet, we're actually fighting against God, trying to be in control of our own lives. He's saying, put down your arms. Lay it down, surrender to me, be still, and know that I am God. I alone am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask you this personal question. What are you holding on to too tightly. Cease striving. Martin Luther said, our striving would be losing. And that's true. 
If you're striving to be a better person, trying to get control of your own life, you're going to lose. Stop your striving. Lay it all down. Let Jesus take control of your life. Some of you, maybe for the first time, you say, I'm tired of juggling everything, trying to Try to be on top of everything. I can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. I just need you to take it and to let go. Let go because of what you know about God. Let go because of what you know about God. He is the strong one. He is the safe one. He is your peaceful river and divine warrior. So what are you holding on to today? I want to end by asking you to do something that may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but um, I want you just to close your eyes, if you wouldn't mind. Just close your eyes in your seat. And I want you to think about right now something that you're wanting control over in your life. I don't know what it is for you, but with your hands reaching out in front of you, I want you to make fists and clench them tightly. And your whole body just kind of be tense right now. And I want you to think about, this is what I so badly want control over. My kids, my job, my future, my health, whatever it is, just clench tightly. On the count of three, I'm gonna have us release. One, two, three. Just release all of it. And in this moment, I want to say to you, God knows what that is in your life. He understands what you've been clinging onto too tightly, and he wants to free you today, to liberate you with this truth that I am great. You don't have to be in control. Let me take that. Lay it down. Give it to me. I've got it. Some of you here in this room, maybe for the first time, just need to say, I don't want to control my life anymore. I need you, Jesus, to take the reins. Take over. I trust in you today. Let's pray together. Father, in this um, moment here, we know that you are present by your Holy Spirit through your word. And we see here that you have promised to be for us a safe place when our life seems to be falling apart. You're our peaceful river when our soul seems most unstable and our divine warrior when our enemy seems so much stronger. God, you are here for us through your son Jesus and I just pray that we would be willing to let go because of what we know about you. We would stop trying to grasp tightly onto the things of our lives and just be willing to say, Jesus, I need you. I cry out for help. There are some of us here that are really struggling. God, we're in, a, we're in a darker place because we've allowed this lie to continue. And we just want to let go of it and embrace you and embrace this truth that you are greater and you are good. And we don't have to be in control. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.